Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. It's the Field of 12 after dark. It is Monday evening. We are into week three of college football. And it's time to overreact. It's everybody's favorite segment from the Field of 12. We're going to spend the entire night tonight talking about whether Anthony Richardson, maybe he was just the flavor of the month, is Alabama's reign over at the top of the college football hierarchy, and much, much more from around the country. My name is Greg Waddell. I am joined tonight by Max Starks, Michael Felder. Starks, I've never done one of these shows with you, man. It's a pleasure seeing you here. How you doing? I'm doing good this evening, guys. Now, obviously, I'm going to have to hold back my full raw feelings since we will be talking about my Gators on this show. I'm going to try and present as unbiased of an argument as well, but know that my blood type is orange and blue, so I'm, I'm going to do my best, but let, let, let's go ahead and go. <laughs> we can fight through some gator tears, man. Felder, you're looking good, man. Everything good? Listen, I'm O positive, so that means I'm a universal donor, and I can tell you this right now, um, I'm ready to donate all the hate to everybody. <laughs> I love it. That's going to make for a very entertaining show. Of course, you can listen to us on the SiriusXM app. And if you're watching along on the YouTube channel, please click that subscribe button as well, where you won't miss anything that we put out all season long with these nightly after dark shows. Gentlemen, we have to start with the usual, though. We have to start with our toast of the night. We yeah. kept this pretty general. Uh, pick any player, any team, any person, anybody you want that either impressed you over the weekend or stands out as someone who deserves a little bit of a cheers. Let's go to you first on this one, Felder. Who you got? Wow. Um, I mean, I guess we should all be cheersing to um, Scott Frost, um, <laughs> a man without a job, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go to the Sun Belt, and, uh, a.k.a. the Fun Belt. And so I'm going to cheers to the Sun Belt. Yo, you guys, you did it. They were very close to having – they almost beat UNC. They almost like, but they did. They have two top ten wins. You can't beat like. What do you like? What do you want? Like, if the SEC had two top ten wins, we'd be toasting to them. If the Big Twelve, Big Ten, if anybody else had two top ten wins, we'd be toasting to them. So I'm giving that cheers to the Sun Belt. They beat A and M. They beat Notre Dame. So cheers, toast to the Sun Belt. Cheers, Sun Belt. There we go. Cheersy cheers right there. Max, you got it next. Who you got? Uh, I, you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I wanted to do Sunbelt as well. This, this is why we don't talk about it on, on, <laughs> yeah. on the show, because I was going to cheers App State. But since you've already covered the entire conference, Felder, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to cheers the uh, Nebraska fan base. because that, mm-hmm. that was my close second. You finally pulled the trigger. Even though you could have pulled that trigger two and a half weeks from now, you chose to do it now. In a over, when we're talking about overreactions, this is where the overreactions come. I get yes. it, this George Southern. I get it. You don't want to lose to a school that has a direction in its name. Cool. But at the same time, you just gave that man a $7 million vacation. I can think of 7 million reasons why I would go on that trip as well if I was Scott Frost. So cheers, Nebraska fans. You got what you wanted. <laughs> cheers. I bet there's a few Nebraska fans that are out there enjoying a cold one tonight, or at least yesterday. When that news broke, they had to be enjoying that. Uh, look, I, <laughs> Felder, you you said it. He is my toast. And, Max, this was right up your alley. My toast is to Scott Frost, but it's not a toast. Gentlemen, where I come from, when we have some bad news for someone, we pour a little out for him. We're going to pour a little oh. out. We're going to pour a little out hang, for Scott no, Frost. Did you, hang on, hang on, Max. Did he really pour some out, though? Oh, yeah, he, he, did, he did pour some out. It might have been in a bucket. But as they say, two tears in the bucket, well, yeah, there we go. (laughs) Listen, this man, Scott Frost, there is no figure in this sport 
who was more profitable to my pockets than Scott Frost was. I was all over Northwestern money line. I was all over Georgia Southern money line. And I'm devastated that I'm not going to be able to hammer Oklahoma minus whatever that spread is over at Bet Rivers because Scott Frost is gone. And who knows where Nebraska football goes from here. But Scott, Thank you for your service to me and my family's wealth. Say, even though you just took money out of his family's mouth. <laughs> yeah, you can swing a little more of that seven and a half if you want, Scott. I'll send you the address, man. Yeah. All right. All right, boys. Let's get I into our overreactions. Let's go. Uh, Max, we're going straight to your team, man. You alluded to it at the top. But there is no bigger story as far as what can we overreact to than how we've swung the pendulum on Anthony Richardson. Because I – was on two of these shows last week, and we spent 30 minutes in each show. Felder knows he was with me yep. talking about how Anthony Richardson deserves to be in the same conversation as Bryce Young, as CJ Stroud, as Caleb Williams, as a Heisman front runner. Well, fast forward a week later 14 for 35, 143 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, six carries for four yards from the dynamic dual threat. Max, this is your boy. This is your team. So let's go to you first and just tell me what happened. Let's start there because the overreaction would be this man, Anthony Richardson, really is just the flavor of the month, and he's not going to be in that Heisman conversation at the end of the season. Well, I'm just glad that this month still has two more games in it. So, you know, if he is the flavor of the month, I'll, I'll take another two games with Anthony Richardson before I make that decision. I think one of the biggest things, when you come off of such a big win, such a moment, you bring in the reigning Pac-12 champions, the Utah Utes, the bullies of the West, champs of the of the Powder Puff Pac-12. Um, it's, it's one of those things I look at, there's an expectation level. I mean, we already knew that, the spurs that we saw was something like, oh, man, I would really like to get more of that. It's like when people come around with the past hors d'oeuvres and you try a little bacon-wrapped shrimp for the first time, a little balsamic glaze on it, you're like, oh, my God, where's he? Where, where's the guy at? You're, like, stalking the guy. And then after you have about four or five, you're like, ah, that's enough iodine for the evening. Uh, I'm good. Um, I think for, for us, we really wanted to see what we wanted to have all of this hype come to hope. But the problem is he doesn't have experience. So these are requisite experience moments. I think another thing, he was very reserved. He was trying to go out of his way to be a pocket passer when some of the situations dictated just run it and get the positive yardage. But he's trying to find his receivers downfield. The kid has a cannon for an arm. I mean, he could throw a cold rope 50, 60 yards. Not a problem. But the problem is you're throwing it like it's 50 to 60 yards when they're only 10 yards away. Uh, That was one of my problems on some of the touch things that did not make it in. We didn't go into the run game enough. I, I felt like we had something there. Etienne showed us signs. Johnson showed us. We had a solid run game, but I think we kind of got worked up. It's like, oh, well, let's go with the short passing. It's the pseudo run game. That's what colleges do now. They don't like to run out of the eye formation or anything like that. We don't do that. We're college. Spread it out and then just throw it out. And I felt like there were some traditional elements that they kind of missed because the offensive line was pushing back that defensive line. And they were given some great holes, you know, between Torrance, between Evan White and company. They were actually getting some good push up the middle, but it got into a passing cutesy contest because of what you want to be the quarterback matchup between Levis and Richardson and trying to prove that that Richardson's better than Levis as opposed to saying, we just want to win the game. Let's get two top 25 victories in a row and let everything else speak for itself. Two top 10 teams got beat. If we win this game, we're in the top 10 when nobody expected us to be here at all during the season, we got very, we, I don't even think we got a vote in the initial preseason top 25. So it was like, we, we came, we arrived too early for something, but then because we were there so early, we missed our seat and we got in the room late. So I'm just waiting for this team. The first month is usually what I'm looking for to be more concrete about before I make a decision about Anthony Richardson. You tell me. Yeah, no, go go ahead, Felder. I, so I guess my pivot from that would just be, it, did Kentucky take away his ground game in this game, or was this more Florida shooting themselves in the foot and not capitalizing on what should have been there? I think Kentucky, um, they match size for size better with Florida than Utah. 
and Max, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I, I 100% think that Kentucky they got bigger guys. Yeah, and those big those bigger guys were a problem because it's like, oh, we can't just like move them out of the way all the time. Well, and I think there were some elements where they picked and choose where they wanted to, and they got success, but they also missed some great opportunities of some rollouts sure. where it's just clear, just go. Just go. You're trying to don't stop. Think, don't think. Team. Just do. Don't, don't think, think. Just react. Do. Too much was in his head, I think, when he got out to the outside. Like, you don't want to be a running quarterback. You want to be a passing quarterback. Act like a passing quarterback. No. Right. See, see, run, run, run. That's it. That's it. See, run, run, run. So about getting yardage. So I, I think the big thing for me is I, it, it felt to me at least Kentucky is a team that's built very similar to Utah in terms of play defense, be physical, work, like make everybody, make you earn everything. And they have a bigger football team than Utah. And what, what I saw, at least when I watched that game, was I saw a team that took what Utah did. And because let's, let's think about it. Kentucky, what did they do? They found the quarterback. Or excuse me, they found the tight end. Yeah. They found the tight end consistently, which is a thing that Utah was also able to do. Tight ends. They found multiple tight ends. Multiple, yes, multiple. <laughs> multiple tight. They found the tight end. Tight this ends. They found the tight ends. And then they also, um, even without their best running back, they were able to run the football in a way that was made Florida. I don't know if they were confused. I don't know what Florida was doing when, when Kentucky was running the football. And then obviously Will Levis with a couple of like a couple of like timely runs also helped out, but they were also penalty. I just want to throw that in there. We're so talking I, about you got the O positive. Talk about that timely penalty. If we're gonna sprinkle the hate, let's sprinkle it evenly. That one in the red zone, really, the ball is in his hand. The guy is trying to tackle him by his ankles. And oh yes. my god, roughing the passer. Are you that's kidding? a bat we saw, but hey, listen. And I know we got to keep moving. I'm yeah. going to say this because, listen, we got to move on to Alabama, right? Yeah. But what is going on with this rough in the passer penalties? It is plaguing the league the last couple of weeks. Just every little thing gets contested and questioned. Even, even the sack play that was a clean sack, I don't know how much cleaner it could have been. I mean, I guess you wanted the guy to go up, give him a hug, ask him to lay down, sleeping beauty style for the sack. Yeah. I'm like – you're like, oh, he, he came upward at him. I'm like, the dude is running straight at him and tackles him and takes him to the ground. There was no extra emphasis. He didn't leave his feet. I'm like, so, so it has been a problem. I think that's the problem with the ambiguity of this rule. Yeah. Is that it's now left up to interpretation. Yeah. Every time it comes out, every referee and crew sees it differently. And that's what we're a victim to as opposed to a black and white letter of the law. There we go. Let's, Greg, you want to get to Alabama? We want to talk yeah, about look, them? So yeah. as as you alluded, we're going to move to Alabama in just a moment here. And certainly another question will call in that game. <laughs> let's, uh, let's end the Anthony Richardson segment with this. Because okay. if we're going to overreact, boys, I'm going to push you guys yeah. to, to make some statements. All right. We got to make a choice. All right. So uh, let's go to Max first. And then I want the same question answered by you, Felder. Uh, it, Anthony Richardson is a top blank quarterback. In college football, because Felder, if we're talking flavors of the month, Felder, you've got at your program a QB who's looking pretty nice through a couple weeks. I'm from first. the state of I Michigan. Think a, I think he's a top fifteen guy. Fifteen, okay. Top fifteen. I think that um, realistically, if I had to name them all, I think KJ Jefferson is better. I think that um, I think Drake May is doing a better job at being a quarterback, not being a guy that plays quarterback, but being a quarterback. Does that make sense, Max? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I think Drake. I, mean, I think Rogers. I, I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's out. a lot of guys out there that I think because here's the other part. I'll throw Frank Harris in the mix. Frank yeah. Harris from UTSA. I think he's amazing. Clayton Thune. Clayton Thune is amazing. Like those guys are doing their job. They're playing quarterback. They're surges, not butchers. And right now, Anthony Richardson is a butcher. Yeah, I'll give top 25. I'll give top 25 just because I'm sure we can go name some names. Yeah, um, looking at some of the leaders, but I'll say easily top twenty-five quarterback, and I get think that gives him room to move up through the yes, season. So it gives sure. him leadway and not putting the expectation on top of him. For yes. sure. 
Tune in next week to the Field of 12 After Dark, where we will continuously ask this question all season long, and we'll see if he swings back up into the top four in the country. All right, we're going to move, as we alluded to, to, to Alabama. Uh, a one-point victory over the Texas Longhorns in Ooh. most watched college football game in history is what I saw today. Wow. Uh, regular like, season, right? Regular season game, correct. Yeah. In, insane game through and through, but if we're going to overreact, boys – Okay. The overreaction would be that all of a sudden that door's cracked open a little bit and this dynasty that's been there running the sport, it all runs through Nick Saban and the Tide. Maybe that's over. Maybe that's not the Don't rule do here. This. Don't Maybe, do this. Don't do this. I've watched two games of Georgia, and I watched Georgia go head-to-head with them in the title game last year. And you tell me who looks like the bigger dog right now, Felder. What do you got? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Give Greg. me reasons why. Why Why can't we do this? Because are you really telling me Georgia's not going into that stadium with Matthew McConaughey and whoever be damned on the sidelines and running that team out by two touchdowns? I think that they would absolutely do that. I agree with you. But I also think that Nick Saban is making a point. He's letting them know you ain't that good. He's letting his own team know they're not that good. He's letting them know maybe you should take those extra reps and like maybe you shouldn't take that lab where you miss practice on Thursdays. Maybe you shouldn't like you've got to do what I'm telling you to do because like I don't know like I when I watch the game I watch the play calls and I watch how pedestrian everything is and it's Nick Saban being like you guys can be beat. You can lose. You need me. I have to get you to where you want to go. And Max, get you tell. And, and, so, so what you're telling me is you're you're saying he he he's that daddy that's trying to make a point by dropping his kids off that when they live in the suburbs, drop them off in the hood at a yes. That's what you're saying. And then he yeah. just drops around the corner and watches them for 15 minutes to see how they react. That's that's, yeah. that's what you're telling me. That's that's a perfect analogy because I the analogy that I had was. He's the dad that like loads up a kid, like kids like I'm running away. And then he's like, okay, sure, go leave. And then he puts so much stuff in their suitcase that they can't carry it to the front door. That's what he's doing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See, I was gonna say he's also the dad that says, Go ahead, leave with everything you have here. Oh, that's right. I bought everything, so you can get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 I think when you look at it, it was a moment where Nick Saban the king mastermind chess Mm -hmm. player looks for a way to manufacture chips to put on shoulders because you've been at the top for so long. How do I create a sense of urgency? How do I create duress and stress on these guys that are comfortable? We have $100 million facilities. Y'all can walk in a room, tell a person what you want to eat. They make it on demand. You have your vitamins made for you. Everything's catered to you. What is the importance and the stress of you being better or pushing yourself? Bingo. This game right here is the perfect moment, the penultimate moment. And even as all of us in the country were rooting against Alabama in the last minute of that game, they said, no, 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 not so fast, my friend. And Bryce Young, with a little shoulder shimmy, let everybody know that I'm still here. That Heisman Trophy, that's mine. And you know what? I'll probably pass it to one of my buddies in my locker room, but nobody else in the country is getting this. That's what that moment was. And it was right at the grips of defeat. They said, no, we'll win. And they did that. Like, like here's the reality. Like, Max, imagine if they just ran two-minute offense the whole game. Dude. They would have won by what, 35? Oh, easily. Easily. T- Texas couldn't keep up with them in the pace situations. And especially in that heat. Now, we have to remember there was, uh, you know, 115,000 plus there, but it was also 116 degrees. So these dudes were leaking. Bama's not going to see any type of heat like that the rest of the year. Yep. These boys, even as humid as it gets in Alabama, it still was mild during training camp. So this was the worst possible situation they could be in, and they still won. So that confidence now has just gone through the roof. And so let me – and well, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, Greg, but I was gonna say the confidence goes through the roof, but also 
that like that dogged determination yeah. that goes that skyrockets where I don't want to be the guy that costs us whether whether it's Helms at the safety position, battle yeah. at the branch, those guys at the secondary. It's because it, they got burned a couple times by Worthy. They 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 that happened. It's the offensive line and Randolph and 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 Ikior. Like they have to they have to make it work. And Saban can walk down the line and look at every single one of those guys and go, uh, Henry Toto, um, you want this to be like the Texas game? And yeah. now they have to they got to respond. So got- I, let me ask this because you guys have both played college football at the highest level, right? Does it worry you at all for this team to have to be taught that lesson in week two or whenever it is after the heels of losing to a team in your conference in the national title, though? Like, I guess to me, I I would think that that's what we're pointing back to and saying, don't let this be like Georgia, right? We don't need to be taught that lesson again as far as, like, entitlement and that stuff goes. Does that say something about – the players that that's still lingering after not reaching the mountaintop or no? No, no, because they reach that mountaintop literally every single year. um, And they've had those other lessons, but I think it's the new era. And when I say new era, I'm not talking about the cap collection in the back that Felder's sporting. I'm talking about the fact that the era of the transfer portal, the era of guys moving in and out, from team to team, it's no longer that nucleus that carries through where, you know, Saban's like, hey, if you come here, you stay from freshman to senior year, you're guaranteed a championship. No, these guys move. Parts come from all over to want to be here, and guys who feel like they can't play leave and go elsewhere. So every year, it's a new cycle. Yeah, there's some faces that you can point to from last year, but every team every year is a different iteration of the program, and it's a new journey every single season. And I, I, I'm going to piggyback on that. I think that um, you mentioned the new journey every single season, but Jermaine Burton, guess what? You know who you're not? <laughs> you're not Jamison Williams. Or Devontae Smith. Or, or Devontae Smith. Or, you're not, or John, you're not even John Mechie. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to you're gonna have to catch these footballs and not have drops on crucial third downs. So, yeah. yes, you have to make a choice. And so I think he has individual people that he's pointing out. And let's let's not let's not, I'm not going to belabor the point, but the point, but I do want to make the point that last year Nick Saban was very nice to this football team. Yeah. This year he's not very nice to them. And he knows he knows where they should be. He knows how good they can be. He knows where he wants to be. And he wants to be there. And he it listen. You either you get on the bus or you don't get to school that day. That's the reality of the situation right now with Nick Saban. And this game was him calling vanilla plays and just, I want to see you work. Like this was, this was him. He made them work. They had to earn it and realizing that you're not that good. Well, it was Smokey's mama, right? And Friday. Yes. Hey, mom. Li- make listen. it enough. Go go to the store with this. Hey, this ain't enough. Uh, make it enough. That's it. Yes. I mean, that's essentially what he was saying. We gonna run duo out of this base personnel group. Guess what? Make it five yards. But coach, they're lined up in a bare front. I don't care. Make Do it. it enough. <laughs> Do it. Do so, it. <laughs> so I completely agree. And 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 statement heard. Statement said. And hopefully, lesson learned now better than like we said national championship game Bingo. where you've been smelling yourself the entire way. You think it's yep. all roses. So it, it'll be fascinating to watch it play out. I think I pulled the stat on one of last week's shows. There were seven games last season that were decided by single digits for Alabama. Uh, so maybe this is a lesson that has needed to be taught repeatedly. Who knows? Maybe there's something else amidst. I trust you guys. You guys uh, are the experts here at Field of 12. So if you say that was a lesson, I I firmly believe you. Let's flip this, though, to the Texas side of things. uh, Because a team that a lot of people have doubted, some people love them, some people don't. I said preseason, I don't think Oklahoma or Texas is going to win this conference. I was more Mm -hmm. focused on Oklahoma State and Baylor. But I tell you what. That first half with Quinn yours had me looking up the what the odds are at Bet Rivers because I mean that team 
at least with Xavier Worthy and Ewers, I mean, if you could do that against Alabama, you've got my attention. So let's let's just ask this point blank. Ewers gets hurt. No disrespect to Hudson Card, one of the best names in all of college football. But if, if Quinn Ewers stays healthy this entire game, does Texas win this game, Felder? No. No. They, Alabama, they, they decide to come out of the shell and go hard. Like, that's the thing that – that's the part that Max and I were just talking about, this vanilla package that Alabama played and this forcing them to do it. Because at the end of the day, Nick Saban's going to be like, oh, you know what we got to do? I guess we're going to have to blitz. We're going to have to blitz, and we're going to have to play press. And guess what? You guys can't do anything when we do that. And Will Anderson's coming off the corner, and we're going to hide him, and we're going to have him come – like, Max, you're an offensive lineman? Will yeah. Anderson? Imagine if Will Anderson is lined up on at, at, as a wide nine, but then he comes into the B-gap, and it's like, oh, um, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I saw you pre-snap out there. You're supposed to stay there because that's what the rule says. And then football <laughs> happens, and you screw up the rules. But you're exactly right. And let's face it. They played vanilla without blitzing. And what did B. John Robinson do? Not a nada, not a nan nutter, the zilches. He didn't do anything. So just imagine if they actually put the pressure on. I don't care if Quinn Ewers was nine for 12 before he went out the game and everything else. If they actually decide to turn that dial from zero to three, that's a big three that I don't think Texas, Texas didn't have another nozzle. They were running right. tilt all the way, redlining to get to that victory at the end, and it still wasn't good enough. Yeah. Does that shift your view of Texas at all, though, just even in the framework of the Big 12? Like, does a, an, a performance like this, is it impressive enough to take you, for you to take them seriously as a contender in that conference? I, I think they're the same as, they're the same as what I thought they were going to be. And it's, it's, it's just a matter of execution. That was the best game that Texas could play. Yeah. And I agree. I agree. So, yeah, we're good. We, look, we're, we're done. We solved it. <laughs> we saw the issue. Is I mean, that? even if yeah, Quinn Ewers is better. Maybe they win one or two more games, but I think there's still that team that's that's going to be middling the entire year. Um, you know, and I think that was the best shot they got. They showed everything, so now everybody can game plan against them. So, well, here's the thing, Max. Like, they 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 did take shots down the field, which I like. I love that. Yeah, but you know who else took shots down the field? That West Virginia team that had Geno Smith and. Stedman Bailey and 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 a Tavon Austin, right? They took yeah. a ton of shots down the field. But you know what those lead to a lot of times? 45 second three and outs. And 45 second three and outs just mean your defense is back on the field. Really pretty incompletions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gino's the balls were looking awesome. I mean, when you just do a still and show the ball in the air and don't show the actual track <laughs> of where the receivers at. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a, a potential team to keep on letdown spot alert next week. Texas hosting UTSA. Frank Harris, exactly the, the you know guy you mentioned. Him. I mean, I love him too, yeah. Felder. I don't know what that spread's going to be. We'll have to wait and see what it opens up at Bet Rivers. But uh, man, to come off a, an emotional, I don't want to say letdown because I think you're exhilarated to even have a shot to win that game if you're Texas. But to come off of that and have to play a team that is no cupcake, I've got my eyes on that game next week. Let's stay in the state of Texas, and we're going to talk about the Aggies next. 17-14 loss to Appalachian State last week. No, 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 no. Appalachian. Appalachian. I'm sorry. I'm so, Felder, I got to know who's on this call with me right listen, now. You know I'm a Midwestern. Listen, listen to the Carolina boy. Listen <laughs> That's to on him. me. That's on me. Uh, what I do know, I'll say this, right? Boone was going up. I saw the videos yes. of those, those fans. You know they had to spend an extra night in, in College Station, right? I did hear that. Uh, not a not a bad night to have to stay there, I guess. If you're if you're App State, yeah. uh, I pulled I pulled some numbers on our boy Jimbo here mm -hmm. in his 13 years as a college mm -hmm. football head coach. He was 17 and one with James Winston at quarterback. He's had one season in the other 11 years where he has exceeded 10 wins. Now, 10 wins is impressive at a lot of programs. 10 wins is impressive with a lot of salaries across the country. 
I don't know that 10 wins every single year and three losses at Texas A&M when you're getting paid what Jimbo's getting paid is going to cut it long term. And we have quite a sample size at this point. So uh, let's start here back to Texas A&M and then we'll go to Jimbo. Is Texas A&M a top 50 team in the country? Max, what's your answer? I mean, yeah, 49th. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, what have they done outside of beating Bama last year to give us any hope that this team is good enough to be in a playoff to make it, you know, to where they're actually leading or even considered top two in the West consistently? Uh, Nothing, nothing. And I'm sorry, Haynes King, Zach Calzada took your job last year. You didn't get it back. He had to leave for you to get this job easier. Um, And you haven't shown me anything since. So I have no reason to believe it. The game looks stale. You couldn't move the football. And when you're thinking about Texas A&M, number one recruiting class and all this money that's put into this program and Jimbo's salary, this is all we get. it's, It's like drinking what is a drink called Zevia, right? It's supposed to be a natural soda with stevia and everything else. You drink, oh my God, it's great flavor. Boom, it hits the front of your tongue, it's great. By the time it hits two-thirds of your tongue, it's dead. You're like, oh man, this is just this is just sparkling water. At the end of it, that's what you're getting with Texas A&M. Or like an RC Cola that's been open for an hour, right? It's just, it's flat. It's flat. It's great on the first, you open it up, fizz, everything's great. And then after that, you might as well be pouring brown water at that point. I, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> I, mean, I did just go score earth on Texas A&M, and I have to call their game in two weeks. Please talk to me, uh, staff, for the game. I do want to get your insights, but, <laughs> but no. But here's, but here's a, Max. But here's the reality: like Max, uh, he was an interception machine in game one. Haynes yeah. King, they they dropped three interceptions, and he threw two other ones. So that's it. He's an inter- he was an interception machine. Then App State walks in and they come into the building. Ninety-seven yards passing. Are you? Are you Navy? <laughs> or or Air Force? Or Air, are you Army? Like, Never mind. Yeah. Triple but, option team. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, is this LSU with Leonard Fournette? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so you see that, and then the other part for me watching is if you can't move the ball. And 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 I I'm a body language guy, and I, I don't I don't feel bad about this. Like I'm watching, I'm watching um, a chain. A chain is trying to catch a pass, and he's look, he catches it, but then he has to like catch it behind, like it's it's behind him, and he's doing all this. Yeah. And then he gets up and he looks at him like, "Come on, man! Like, is this serious?" And when you know Max, you played on teams, like you've been around, you've been around ball long enough. Like when when. The quarterback delivers the ball to a receiver or running back in a way that is not conducive to like getting more yards. They look at him like, hey man, what are you doing? Yeah. And when they look at you like that and it's on camera, like you can tell, like th- this has been going on for a long time, not just today. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm just gonna put it out like this. It's one of those things where it's like, hey man, I ain't vote for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the side eye you're giving. Like, you you know, I wanted the other guy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, we're seeing some of that in my state of Michigan here with uh, JJ McCarthy, who has just won the job. But we we had guys missing blocks, we had Dude. guys dropping balls, we had different play calls the entire game. Uh, there was no doubt who everyone involved wanted to win that job. We, we uh, want J.J. McCarthy to be the starting quarterback, correct? We all do, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, if you're a fan of college football, I think you do. Okay, okay, yeah, you are. But it, it's a loyalty thing, right? I mean, Kate McNamara took you to the playoff last year, right? So, you sure. know, you, you know there, there's loyalty there. He stayed. He's a leader. He's proven he was a leader. And so it's like, man, I want that guy. But everybody's like, no, I want to see something more. I want to see some electricity coming through the stadium. I want to see the ball flying in the air. And uh, not everybody wants to see a manager, you know, and a guy who just gets the job done. Like yeah. Flair and Panache. I mean, it's not even that it's Flair and Panache, Max. It's it's like one guy shows up and he's got a fucking Gucci suit on. <laughs> he's ready to rock and roll. Panache. 
Panache. <laughs> that's not Panache. It look, he just looks cool. He's the cool guy. Fla- that's no. the flair, though. That's oh. the flair. He's just peacocking right now. He's no. not peacocking. He's flexing. Because now one one is the lead singer and one is the bass player. That's all. The other guy shows up with the short sleeve button up with a tie, and you're like, "Hey, man, I don't, I don't. (laughs) At least it's not a clip on. (laughs) (laughs) You look like you run the bowling alley." Oh God! (laughs) Uh, Listen, if uh, if you want our full breakdown on JJ McCarthy versus Cade McNamara, Christian Hackenberg did a phenomenal quarterback room that's on the Field of Twelve YouTube channel. So go jump, watch that. Don't jump until this show's over, though. But that's available if you want to see that. Uh, To wrap up our our Texas A and M segment here, I, I alluded to Jimbo here. I mean, this man went toe to toe for verbal warfare with Nick Saban in the off season. Uh, some would say he has a lot of nerve and to distract from Alabama's close call. What does he do? He loses to App State. At what point does his seat get hot, Felder? Like it, it's got to be soon, right? I mean, this look, here's the reality. Is he going to make a million dollars a win? This year, maybe. <laughs> I'm, no, I, like he makes what ten million dollars a year, right, Max? Yeah, right, Greg. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he he's gonna, he's going to make a little over a million dollars a week because I don't think I'm going to get to ten. <laughs> exactly. That's that that's the point I'm trying to make. This is yeah, this guy's exactly. gonna make more than a million dollars a week. He's not gonna, his million dollars won't be parsed out based on wins. And so, for me, I look at it, and the scary part is Arkansas is getting really good really fast, and I don't know if. I don't know that they're going to be able to keep pace with them. And obviously when KJ Jefferson leaves, things will change. And then if Brian Kelly can get things going to going the right way at LSU, things will change. But I just, if, if right now you can't be number two in the sec West as Texas A&M, then when will you ever be number two? That, that's a good question. And I think that also carries what, you know, we'll, we'll get into this later, just talking about Arkansas and, of course, the BYU game. But, I mean, Arkansas looks primed and ready. You have to believe yeah. that after watching that Texas A&M game, Sam Pittman was like, oh, oh yeah. We got your ass. <laughs> we got you. And we're going to go into AT&T Stadium in two weeks <laughs> or a week and a half from now. And we're gonna and we're gonna show you that we deserve to be number two. Now I think Mississippi State will say, you know, hold up, hold my beer for a second because what Will Rogers is doing is just amazing. But I think it's like Texas A&M. We're, you're not even in this conversation, bro. Go 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 and sit next to LSU right now. Go sit next to LSU. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Yeah. Sit yourself over to the side and let the big boys handle it out. So to me, uh, while this certainly was a surprising result, I would not call Texas A&M's loss to App State shocking. I think App State is a pretty damn good football team that's capable of going toe-to-toe with the best in the country on any given day. Let's move to a game that I would call shocking. That's Notre Dame's loss to Marshall. This was Marcus Freeman's home debut. He is now 0-3 in three appearances as a Notre Dame head coach. Some bad news came out today. The starting quarterback likely going to miss the entire season. Yep. I don't want to raise a red flag and have sirens blaring everywhere, but it's not hard to look at Notre Dame's schedule the rest of this season and question if this team can make a bowl game. So for the sake of overreactions, let's play that game. Notre Dame will not make a bowl game. Max, am I right or am I wrong? Uh, uh, right now, you're correct. Um, unless things change, because like you said, you start season 0-2 is highly unlikely that you get back on the train. And let's face it, I mean, when you just think about, okay, where can Notre Dame really pick up steam? I don't think they're beating a USC squad, which is on that schedule, because you, you're going to have to have quality top 25 ones. I get you went toe-to-toe at Ohio State, and then eventually you lost out because you had scholar athletes, and they just had supreme athletes. It's a difference. Um but I will say this, it, it's just so tough for me to give because it because it still looks so plain. I know, I know it's supposedly, you know, it's tough with a new quarterback. You're trying to figure out your system and everything else, but it just it doesn't look exciting. And the CFP committees, and when they're ranking teams, they want excitement. And bowl bowl sponsors, yes, they want fans, but the fans right now, if you go look on the Notre Dame message boards, they're irate, they're upset. 
it doesn't look good. So I was like, you're already distanced yourself from the fan base and there's no signature wins out there that you're going to get. That's going to re-engage them. I feel after, after having this Marshall loss, like you lost a lot more than you gained by losing to Marshall in this situation. I, I agree with you on everything. I will say this. I think that obviously they're going to be a bowl team, but here's the reality. They do. They still play BYU, which I I know BYU is in the rundown. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. But the other thing is they play Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, Navy, BC. So they're going to be able to get there. It's just, it's a UNC, Cal. UNC is, I don't know that UNC's, I don't know if UNC could stop anybody. But can Notre Dame beat them though? If they just lost to Marshall, that, that, that's the thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Think about is gimme's is out the window. There's no gimme on this schedule anymore yeah. because I would rank all of those teams in front of Marshall. <laughs> I, I, they lost Marshall lost their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. They're yes. playing backup quarterback and they still w- went in there and beat them. That's a good, yeah. No, you're, yeah. They, so losing is a potential for all these games. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's easier to say on paper, Felder, because I did the same thing earlier. I'm like, they're not really going to not make a bowl game, right? And then you start listing the names. It's like, well, if that team that was there this past Saturday is there for many more games, all of a sudden we do seriously get dicey. Uh, I will it say will... this, though. I, yeah, just, I will say this. I think that Marshall did something that most teams don't do. When you go into um, – Max, did you, you play at Notre Dame? Or did you, did you, guys, you, know, you guys never went to Notre Dame, right? We ne- I, I never went and played against Notre Dame when I was at Florida. So we I, – d- I didn't travel for the Notre Dame game, but we went to Notre Dame and played, and we went a day early and treated it like it was this, like, super special thing and historical trip, and Marshall treated it like a business trip. And they went in there and they beat their ass, which yeah. was nice. So it's – I think BYU is interesting for them. I think, obviously, they play Clemson, another game where – we still don't know what Clemson's going to look like ultimately, but man, they beat Furman guys. They're winners. <laughs> yeah, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Yeah, I mean, Sy- look, Syracuse. If- I don't know what's going on with Stanford either. So who knows? I mean, we could. I think we could safely call Clemson. <laughs> Clemson and USC losses. BYU on a neutral looks scary to me. At North Carolina looks scary to me. I know what you said, Felder, but that's a team that's going to put up points. Yes, they will. And I don't know if Notre Dame with a backup quarterback is going to put up points right now. I don't know. I'm just saying. I see. Can we talk USC then? Let's talk USC. Let's go straight to it. So USC, uh, go from an offense we're saying is not very fun. Let's talk about maybe the most fun offense in the sport right now. Uh, The duo that was built up to be this Hollywood duo, going to greener pastures, going with Lincoln Riley. They're everything we could have asked for through two weeks. And there's a long way to go. We have defensive concerns on that side of the field, 100%. But this is a fun team to talk about. And if we're talking about Alabama creaking that door open, to me, USC is a team that is going the opposite direction and could maybe insert themselves into that conversation. So the overreaction, USC will challenge for a top two seed in the college football playoff. Fell there yes or no? No. Come on, are you? Come on, we can't do that. <laughs> they play no defense. Are they going to get three pick sixes every week? Every no, week? no, no. It's not going to happen. This is te- no. I think that they the goal for the, I, honestly, if I'm if I'm talking to a USC fan, like Greg, you're a USC fan in this in this world. You're a USC fan. Yes. I say, hey, Greg, just try to win the Pac-12. Just try to win the Pac-12. If you win the Pac-12, you've got an opportunity to get into the playoff. To be the fourth team in the playoff. To be the fourth team. Exactly. <laughs> Are we sure, though, team. boys? Are we sure? Because, I mean, tell Where me this. On their schedule, are they going to pick up other top 25 victories? Well, but if we're, if we're saying they run the table in the Pac-12, and we they also – like, it's not – Utah, and then they have to beat whoever's going to come out of that north. And Max, Max, what do you think this game looks like when they play Utah? Not not like it has been. I, I think this is going to be a tougher game just because Utah defensively is just a team that just knows how to play, and they're going to Utah. Utah yeah. is a very tough place to play. Rice Echo sucks. Be, that's going to that's be a primetime game, so it's going to be in the evening. 
probably Pac-12 after dark game or something. Altitude. Uh, altitude is there. I don't know if they're fully ready for what Utah is, is seeing. Because for Utah, that loss to Florida was the fire. And they know the only way that they can leapfrog is to go out there and destroy the Trojans. That's a team I don't want to see. I get Caleb Williams is good, and he's going to be great, and him and Jordan Addison, but I still have a lot of faith in Cam Rising. That, that kid can play football, and at home, I, I don't put my money against Utah at home. If you're the CFB playoff committee, Felder, mm-hmm. and you've got – I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm still on Team Utah, by the way, but for the sake yeah. of the hypothetical, USC runs the table undefeated, and you've got Georgia undefeated as the one seed. You've got one loss, Alabama, and you've got other potential conference champions. I'm not going to say who. USC can't get that two seed as an undefeated team with all this flash and pizzazz with all the big nah. names. Not nah. over a one loss, Alabama. <laughs> and and also not over Ohio State. Yep. That was the other one. Yep. That's another good point. No, no, not happening. Okay. All right. Good to know. And I'm going to tell you right now, Utah about to put them paws on them boys. <laughs> the biker gang, baby. That's uh, look, I'm not questioning anything about Utah. Right Here's the now. thing. Kentucky, Kentucky did everything Utah did. They just were better, a little better at it. And bigger. And, and bigger. bigger. And physically bigger. But the, here's the thing. Like, I think Florida also was still like, they were tired from playing Utah. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough start for sure. Absolutely a tough start. Um, all right. All we right. alluded, we alluded we to got? this. We alluded 15 to minutes this earlier. To go, right? Yeah. 15 minutes left. We alluded to this game earlier. Uh, and w- we're going to project with this team a little bit, but I also want to look back because the big win over Baylor was a very yeah. impressive win for a BYU team that held serve at home and really needed to hold serve at home Mm -hmm. if they want to factor into the national conversation at all this year. They do play Notre Dame, as we mentioned. That's not going to be as big of a a big-name potential resume win as we thought it might be. They (laughs) have the schedule to do it. So can BYU truly be a playoff team this season? You'd have to assume they have to run the table. Max, can they do it? No. No, because I think for the aforementioned reasons that we just had, when you're looking at Ohio State, Georgia, Bama, and insert ACC champion, because I think that team will have enough wins in there and be good enough that you have to leapfrog all of them as an independent. We know how tough it is to be an independent. Like you said, Notre Dame's held the mantle because they've had those scheduled in top 15 teams and they've gone in and won those games. But we also know when we look at how those teams have fared, when they get in there, they don't make it past the first round. So now you're saying, okay, now we're going to put a BYU team that we're probably not going to have any faith in. Zach Wilson is gone, <laughs> um, you know, which was probably your best bet. They can't they can't schedule a game in 48 hours and go to Coastal and try and prove themselves. So I just – I don't see BYU having enough there – to jump the top six. I think if they run the table, they end up in the six hole. And then there's other one loss teams that they're going to look at and give credence to over BYU who has to go perfect. I I think if they win, they're in. I think if they win, they're in. Okay. Like, like it's, it's going to be rough. And honestly, they're getting screwed because Oregon has been – what is Oregon now? 25? Because they completely dropped out after getting blown out yep. by Georgia. Notre Dame's on Atlanta, or I don't know if that's blown out. I did they their souls stayed stayed up there in Eugene. Oh uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they didn't even travel on the plane. They were just that was just empty vessels that showed up. <laughs> yeah. They just completely got destroyed. And then Notre Dame is not ranked anymore, are they? No. Uh, they, 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 were, they should not no. be. <laughs> no matter how hard producer Dagan tries to get us to rank him in the field of 12, yeah, top they're 12. They're 0-2. They're, they're, they're not there. No way a winless team gets ranked in the top 25. <laughs> yeah, no, if, if we're looking but at – one time sp- Dagan gets into the – If we're doing schedule watching here, you're right. It's at Oregon. Oregon has opened up at minus three and a half in that game, uh, according yeah. to our friends at Bet Rivers. That's certainly think, a winnable. I think game. if BYU wins out, they should be in the. If, if BYU wins out, they should be in the playoff. I do think that. I think that realistically, 
with the exception of unless we're looking at an undefeated Clemson as the third team or an undefeated Oklahoma as excuse me as a fourth team or undefeated Oklahoma as a fourth team I think realistically what we're looking at is a one loss Clemson or a one loss Oklahoma or a one loss Washington or Oregon or whoever one loss Baylor could be a one loss Baylor could be a one loss Baylor I think if BYU is if, if if BYU is undefeated, they should be it. Now, here's my question. I just yes, don't see undefeated at, after watching Arkansas live and in person. This that's, Saturday. that's the game that we have to circle, baby. Just circle that one because, listen, BYU is good. They, yes. They're great in matchup and space and everything else. They don't have the physical maulers up front defensively to combat what that offensive line for yep. Arkansas just did to South Carolina, what they will continue to do this season. They are nasty. Raheem Sanders is a beast. And Bumper pull is a monster. Stop. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if they can stop the run. And, and that's exactly what they did the entire game. They ran at will. Six different rushers touched the football yep. and had positive yardage every time they touched it. I, I, I said this and I know we gotta we gotta we gotta move to the three stars, yeah. but I, I said this. I, I literally was like, oh, Raheem Sanders and KJ Jefferson, they're like when you go play pickup at the park, and then if they're not on your team, they're like, you know what? My mom called me. I have to go home. Yeah, I have to go. In fact, keep the ball. I know I brought it here, but you, you guys just go ahead, keep the ball, keep playing. <laughs> like, sorry guys, I'll see you next week. <laughs> When you're on my team, because right now I don't want you to touch me in this sucks. <laughs> yeah. My uh my my fear for Arkansas would be looking ahead to that BYU game. Is that potentially a schedule loss? And you guys can laugh me off the screen if you don't believe in a schedule loss, but they go at Texas AM, they host Alabama, they go at Mississippi State, at BYU, at Auburn is a five-game stretch, four road games, and oh, congrats, you get to host Alabama packaged in between it and BYU is the fourth of five games in that stretch uh, I'm with you guys Arkansas looks great through two games 100% especially to me the Cincinnati game uh, which was certainly a back and forth style game but they kept just kind of dangling hope out in front of Cincinnati and taking it away whenever they got close uh, to me I I'm a, I'm a believer in the Razorbacks I am but that's a hell of a stretch. And BYU, I mean, that's maybe the only game on their schedule if they get through Oregon this week that I think they're too worried about. Go ahead, Max. Yeah. I mean, BYU also has to just get past Notre Dame. Even if it yeah. is a mental thing, you can't have a let up because you're going to Notre Dame. You're going to South Bend So before you host Arkansas. So however you want to do it. And, and you have to think Notre Dame has put the target on BYU's back. So whatever their best game's going to be, it's going to be them and then USC. That That's really all you have a moonshot for if you're Notre Dame. So you're going to get a heck of a test on the road against them before you host Arkansas. And our, Arkansas is going to either come in tired or battle-hardened. Those are the only two things they're going to be. <laughs> they might be looking at like, listen, we can get our second string and third string and arrest our starters. That's what their <laughs> mentality might be. And they might play in that type of way to get those guys in because they want the rest because they know what the rest of that SEC gauntlet is. Yeah, I, I'll I'm gonna I'll take ten seconds on this one, and I'm just gonna say I think they do come in battle battle hardened and ready to rock and roll. I think Sam Pittman having an offense having an offensive lineman coach is a different world than having a guy that's a quarterbacks coach. Yeah, he wants you like like you're ready to rock and roll, baby. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, we are going to do our three stars. We're going to get to that in two minutes. Guys, I'm itching. I have one more overreaction to get in front of you. So two, <laughs> mi two minutes are on the clock for this. This is the final one. Let's stay All in right. the SEC. All right, Tennis here we go. Tennessee is the biggest threat to Georgia in the SEC East. This is, is, a, is a division that includes Kentucky off the very impressive win against Florida. It includes Florida themselves, if they can right the ship. It includes Georgia, it includes Tennessee, it includes Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, and then it includes a couple other teams I don't think have a serious shot at this. Are the Vols the biggest threat to Georgia in yes. that division? Yes? Yes. Hi. Yes, them and Kentucky are the two biggest threats. And even Kentucky, though I, I don't think Kentucky is because I, Kentucky, you can't out Georgia, Georgia. That's like out Alabama yeah, and Alabama. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. You can't out defense a defensive team. 
But I think you can't triple stamp a double stamp. That's true. That's right. You you can't you can't go go backsies. Okay, I got it. I got it. But I think it's tied because I still don't truly know what Tennessee is. I know that they're, they're a point manufacturing team. Yeah. I know they're a point manufacturing team, and they've had two good victories, but I just don't – I can't truly trust their defense yet. I can't do it. I can't uh, do You it. don't have to trust the defense. Do you watch their wide receivers? You see, you see what their wide receivers do? I they do catch, they catch the football, and then they look for a referee, and they, they spot the ball. Exactly. They, they are great robots. But the problem is they also don't – they haven't gotten hit that hard. I want to no. see them try and do it. After that's the, a good after point. They get decapitated a couple of times. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. All right, what else you got, Greg? Yeah, let's let's jump straight into three stars from there. That satisfied me fully, boys. I just needed to get there. Uh, I, and look, I, I want to throw some love on Henning Hooker, by the way, because I think this man's having a hell of a year. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm in on the Vols. I don't know that you can out Alabama, Alabama, or out Georgia, Georgia, but I think the Vols want to do something a little different. And they might be capable of doing something a little yes. different in those games. All right, let's 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 go to our three stars. Every week we do this on Monday evenings. I asked you both to bring a quarterback, a skill player, and a defender that impressed you the most over the weekend. For the order for this, we'll do quarterbacks all back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and then we'll go to skill players, then we'll go to defenders. Just give me 20, 30 seconds on why this is your pick for the week. Uh, I will go third here. We'll go to Max second. Felder, you'll bat lead off for us here. Who is your quarterback of the week? I'm going Will Levis. I, I, I really think that he just he, he capitalized on what um, Cam Rising did and did a little bit more of that, right? We saw him run a little bit, and we saw him be able to make the throws that he had to make, and he did a really good job of managing this offense against a Florida team that was fly- that was flying high. So, Max, who you got? I mean, I'm going to go with me. I'm going to go with Will Rogers, Mississippi State. I mean, 38 to 49, 313 yards, four tutties. That one interception bounces off his receiver's chest. Yeah. I mean, he just he does the just what he does at a very high level, and it yields positive results. And now you see the Mike Leach system just really kicking in this year. All right, I'm going to go Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, making his return. To me, that was the moment of the week for me. Honestly, seeing uh, I think it was producer Trevor for us clipped his first touchdown back in all caps and said Sam Hartman is back. Uh, it was just good to see because I didn't know that we would get to see him play football this season genuinely. Yep. And I enjoyed watching the Deeks so much last year, the high octane offense, putting up 40, 50 points some weeks. And he's what makes them tick for him to come back and not only just be back, but to also just clinically 300 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions and a comfortable <laughs> 20 point road win. Uh, that's kudos to you, Sam Hartman. If I'm cheersing to you, I'm cheersing to you, my friend. You were my star of the week. Let's go to skill players next. Felder, who you got? Yeah, Vandy can eat their shorts, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I am um, Kalen Um, Obviously a guy that committed to Florida State. I was there. I, I helped pick up the Lamborghini that he committed in. And oh, so to see wow. him at to see him at I ate Doritos in a Lambo. And to Ooh, see okay. Flex, humble <laughs> flex on the show. <laughs> but to, to see him go for over once 150, 163 yards against Notre Dame at Marshall. Let's go, man. Come on. I gotta go Kalen LeBorn. Okay, so you went the Rand, the Randy Moss of the new era, is what you're telling me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mine, like I said, I watched that Arkansas-South Carolina game. I called that game Raheem Sanders, baby. 24 big boy boy touches, 156 yards and two tutties. I'm still waiting for those Jordans for South Carolina to tackle him. This kid was an absolute refrigerator on wheels. They couldn't stop him. Great running. So I, I did not eat Doritos in his Lamborghini, but uh, LeBorn was going to be my pick. I think he's by far the skill guy of the week. Uh, those stats, 163 yards and upset, he has to be. I will give a second just for the sake of this exercise, though. Uh, Travion Henderson, to me, a good bounce back game after being bottled up a little bit. A guy who yeah. a lot of people thought could factor into the Heisman conversation. 87 yards on just 10 carries, two touchdowns, broke a 41-yard run. Uh, it was good to see him get going a little bit. All right, two minutes left defensive player of the week. Felder, who you got? Derek Parrish, all over the place for Houston, just everywhere. And I, I don't, I still am not sure how they lost the football game, but he, it's not because of him. I can tell you that this guy was everywhere. He had sacks, tackles for loss. Like 
Let me let me make sure I get the stats right. Six tackles for loss, four sacks. Like this guy was everywhere. How do you not like somebody else do something? <laughs> hey, he's DPMD, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. He just calls his mass destruction. Derek Perry's yeah. mass destruction. That's all it is. Um, I went, yeah, I went Trayvon Flowers from Tennessee. I just thought he had he had an all around good game. I mean, when you have three solo tackles, you got a sack, you got, and you also have an interception. You ran the cycle. Cool, right to get in all the stat categories just about only thing he didn't do was get a fumble recovery um yep and that was a much needed win for tennessee to put them over the top especially in overtime going up against Pitt at home so this is going to be the first time a kansas jayhawk football player has ever been mentioned as defensive player of the anything but uh, i'm going with kobe bryant which you heard that correctly that is maybe the best name in all of college football Pick six to seal the game. Now, overtime, maybe the smarter thing, just fall down, but I'm going to reward the style points, right? That opens up a 13-point lead, and I can't imagine there's anything more exhilarating than chasing down your teammate 90 yards down the field as he runs into the end zone to seal an upset win against West Virginia. Kobe Bryant, cheers to you, my friend. And cheers to you, Michael Felder, Max Starks. This was a very fun show. Thank you both for being here with me. We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody watching this over on the Field of 12 After Dark YouTube channel. We'll be back tomorrow night and every night for the rest of the week. You can listen to us as well on the SiriusXM app. We'll see you tomorrow night.